Why don't we make our way back to our seats this morning? Good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Rich, lead pastor here. It's good to see everyone this morning. And welcome to our Lego Part 3 series today. And I think we have a video I want you to watch. There's a guy I like. He's an amazing guy. His name is Emmett. I like Emmett. Emmett's every one of us. He has three things. How do I fit in, have everyone like me, and always be happy? Watch this video. Wow. Everyone give Emmett a hand this morning. Isn't he amazing? You've been coming for a while. We had a series called Lego, and this is part three. First week, we talked about the relationship that we should have with God and one another. Second one, Alan just knocked it out the park, talking about um, how we can connect multi-generational. You look, you look at our church, on the, on the left side is the young bloods, on the right side is the seasoned bloods. See, you thought I was going to say old, didn't you? I'm seasoned, but I'm right in the middle. So we talked about that. And today what we're going to talk about is talking about a population. A lot of us don't seem to talk about or notice, but we see in our church that it's a very big population. And what I'm talking about is single and single again. The reason why I want to talk about this, and I know coming off of Valentine's Day, it probably wasn't too well for singles unless someone sent you a nice little card. And I saw someone wrote something on Facebook. Look, don't pity me because it's, thanks, of course it's uh, Valentine's Day. But, you know, look at the census, U.S. census figures. It says the share of American adults who are single, divorced, or never married, according to the data, there are 128.2 million singles in the United States last year which comes out to about 51.2% of the population. While this is up from only 37.6% in 1976. And we're seeing now that's the first time you see single adults are actually outnumbering married adults. If you look online, there's a lot of things about the crisis, but there's a lot of things that's taking place. We're seeing, they're saying that the singles are waiting longer to get married, but they're also saying that divorce is at a, is at a higher rate for older or more seasoned people. (laughs) And I really wanted to cover this today because I think if we, and this covers everybody, I want the married people that really do, I don't want you to check out on me because the principles I'm going to talk about is universal. And if you follow these principles, you'll probably improve your marriage because we all suffer if we don't go through these principles. And one of the scriptures I wanted to use is in 1 Corinthians 7, 32 to 35. And this is Paul. If you know about the book of Corinthians, Paul, there's someone wrote Paul a letter, and the whole book is Paul giving the answer to the questions they had in that book. Because if you know about the church of Corinth, it was a, a pagan church that was born again there in the middle of almost like Las Vegas. And they had to learn how to be believers. They knew about the faith, but they didn't know how to live. And one of the things he was attacking in chapter 7 was one of the things they were talking about, they had some uh, cynicism take place, which is people were saying, stay away from, be pure, stay away from the opposite sex. Sex and marriage are inherently sinful. So he was coming in to debunk a lot of that, and it's broken up into two, three different things. I know if you, uh, some of our campuses, we taught on dating. You might have heard some of this scripture. I want to get down all the way to verse 32 to 35, because he talks about anxiety on the cusp of transitions in our lives. Starting in verse 32, if you don't have your, it's on the screens if you don't have your Bible. I'm always using the ESV version. 
says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about the worldly things, how to please his wife. And all the men said, amen. All the men didn't say amen. That means you're in trouble. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman, which is engaged, is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. All the women say, oh, amen. So they say they're higher than the men. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay a restraint upon you, but to promote, to promote good order and to secure your, your undivided devotion to the Lord. Now, in the Bible, this is the only place that really talks about singles and singles again and widows. There's nothing really, and Paul's really giving his opinion, but one of the things he's trying to do is stop the anxiety of the transitions of life. If you're single and you're looking for a mate and you're hoping God to bring you a mate, you can have anxiety trying to make it happen. If you're married or getting married, want to get married again, if you're divorced, the hurt and the pain, you can feel sometimes not worth anything. And you want to be anxious. Just like I hear people say, I hear some of you say, I just want to have a normal life. And you'll discount everything. And you'll miss life trying to get to the next place. And you got to realize, I've been married 27 years. Life is full of trans, uh, transitions. And it reminds me of one word, two words. We must be able to distinguish between wanting and waiting. I had an opportunity to live in Germany in the early 80s. And I lived there five years. And once in a while, I would fly back to the States for a week to do some training, come back. You would take off. I would take off from maybe Kennedy Airport, very on time. And you get into German airspace, Frankfurt. Now, Frankfurt used to be called the gateway to Europe. And you can tell. It was like a, it was an airport on steroids, and every plane that came into Europe had to go to Frankfurt. I think now Heathrow's become that. And it didn't matter what happened? You got there early. Paul was so proud. We got there early. We beat the time. And then you get in Frankfurt's airspace. And what you do, you actually go around and around, and you're in a holding pattern. Now, you can get nervous if you don't think you have enough gas. But then you start to notice, you look out the window, and you see a plane going the same way with you. And we're waiting, waiting for the time to land. Now, we have no control of that. Only the air traffic controllers have that power. And we can whine all we want, but it'd be 45 minutes, two hours, and the story stops serving you because you're getting ready for landing. And you're going around, and you're looking at everybody. Sometimes you go like this, hi, I just saw you 20 minutes ago. And you're going around. You want to land, but you're in a holding pattern. When I look at single and single again, look at that. It's a holding pattern sometimes. If God has told you you're going to have a mate one day, it's a holding pattern. And the only one that can tell you properly to land is God himself. He's the air traffic controller that sees it all when it's safe to land, when it's safe to marry, when it's safe to date, when it's safe to have a relationship. Because you got to realize, when we want something, we want it now, right? We have one of those generations. We want things now. And the way things are on the Internet, we get things quickly. 
But what happens when we are in wanting, we select on performance, which is external. We want somebody, oh, they have a great, great, especially in the church, they are so anointed. People get born again. They are building such great groups. They're doing this, and your character is a mess because we actually fall in love with the external because when you're actually waiting, God selects on character. Now, it comes in the marriage. Some of you got married on the external. And I would say it took you about two years to figure out this is not Prince Charming and she is not, you know, she is not the queen. And you want your contract back. You lied to me. That's what we do. Until you see the character. And God sees because he wants us to be permanent, not temporary. And you pick on performance. In the church, we pick, I thought he was a man of God. I thought she was a woman of God. Then you find out the character is shady. You never knew it because you were so enamored with the outside. And I love the way even when Samuel went to pick, look for the new king. He said, this got to be it. This got to be it. This got to be it. And they kept saying, Jesse said, he's not it. Where's, my, where's, where's the next king? Oh, he's out into, in the field. David, the ruddy guy? Yeah, the guy with my heart. So you want to you have a mate that has God's heart, not God's performance. Because we can perform well on, on Sunday morning, can't we? We got the lingo. We have made it religious until we get behind the scenes. And that's what happens when you get married. You have, a, you have time to wait and figure some things out. Because this is for a lifetime. And I see the holding pattern with something. We'll make a mistake. Going too fast. This is what God, and then we, we take this map and we map God. Okay, they walked in front of me at McDonald's. It must be God. Then I saw him at the store. That must be God. And I saw him. Oh, God must be want to hook us up, right? No, not really. Not really. Because we want. Versus said, wait. And the question is you wait for. As you see in the scripture, am I marrying a believer or am I trying to be the savior for them? How will my marriage affect my service for Christ? It should. And now when you get married, the quantity of time with God will go down, but your quality with time with God should go up because now it's two becoming one seeking God, seeking God together. Here's a question that me and my wife had to answer. Am I prepared to enter into this union for life? It's a covenant. These are important questions, and it takes a while to get all those answers. That's why you have waiting is on your side. It's good. And some of the parents are, that's what I'm trying to tell my children. I've been trying to tell them for a few years. They still don't listen. I'm telling them for you, parents, so you can pay me afterwards. <laughs> exactly. So when I looked at this, I don't think we do well on how to wait. I think the waiting, we wait wrong. I think the waiting is so good when we learn first, when we talk about connecting to God first, when we learn how to relate to God. I've been watching people lately, how they relate to God. So performance-based. The more you work for God, the more he'll love you. This is a scripture in Psalm 37. David wrote in his old, older age. Psalms 37, 3 through 5. 
And it says that really it means the Lord can be trusted. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend, which means befriend means feed on his faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord and trust in him and he will act. Now, when you read that, someone gets, their faith gets excited. But it's a process of learning how to relate with God. It didn't say anything about working. It says to talk about depending on God, waiting for the answer. When you look, there's four things there, four verbs there. The first one is trust. The word trust, you can look at confidence. Have confidence in God that he knows exactly what you need and what you want. Trust, which means translates into faith. Have faith. Now let me tell you about faith, because we get crazy about faith. I said a little bit earlier. In obedience, God calls me to do the things that only I can do. I may agree. So he can do the things that I can't do. Now, sometime in between what I've done and what he does, there is a break. I call it the, the building break before he actually does what he says he's going to do. And that's why you have faith. But I have confidence that I'm doing everything he tells me to do. That means he's going to do everything I can't do. And that's faith. Versus waiting around for something to happen. You didn't do anything. The first word for me is a trust so you can rely on him. Second word, dwell. Dwell means abide and remain. Stick around with God. Let him have that great relationship with him. Abide, remain in him. Dwell. And then it says feed on his, his faithfulness, which really means this. Feed on the truth. Spend time spending on the truth because the truth will what? Set you free of all those things that you can't go into marriage with. See, you can't go in there and hope that someone's going to fix you. You need to go ahead and have time to let God work things through you. Have a great time with it because this is the next one I love. I love this one, but I think we kind of miss it. The next one is delight, which means enjoy. When's the last time we enjoyed God? Because we're always waiting for the next thing. Oh, we got this patience thing. God, I want this. I want this. You ever see someone who was just born again angry? How can you be born again and be angry? You got saved from death. What kind of anger can you have? Have a great time in God because he wants to have a great time in you. That's missing today. I see some of y'all come to church. It's just church. I don't want to mess up. Hey, have fun. When it's time to praise, jump up and down. It's okay. No one's going to mess with you. No one's even looking at you because they're trying to not mess up. (laughs) Bring back the joy for the joy that was set before him. He set us free. He had joy going to get killed. We can have joy living this thing out. I always ask guys, what's wrong? Man, I've been working. That's what the problem. You're working for God, but you're not delighting in God. And the work becomes easy because here you don't have the, you don't have the, um, you don't even have, what I call it, the control of what's going to come out. If you know how I met my wife, you'll say, wow. I wasn't looking. She wasn't looking. I'm in Vegas trying to do my job. I get robbed. I'm going home. She's the one that sent me there. So I'm looking for whoever sent me there. I go to a meeting. And all my clothes are gone. But she walked into the meeting, 
I forgot about the clothes. <laughs> and then we didn't get along. We did not get along. She said, you're crazy, um, you know, and left me driving out in the street, she'll tell you. And Las Vegas Boulevard, she put me out because I had some crazy friends I was walking with. And she came and got me. And the rest is, 20, is history. I didn't map it out. I just knew I gave it all to God and said, you handle this. I'm going to do what I can do, which is work hard and love him. And enjoy it. And 27 years is still funny because she hasn't dropped me yet. Enjoy. What happens when you enjoy, the second part of that is your desires become his. Instead of you trying to force your desires. You know, we live in an impatient world. We want everything yesterday. And guess what? You know, when I was in the military, we worked on stuff. We put this here, put A to B. That's going to happen. You know, when we work with the church, you got to have, you gotta have um, a sense of humor. Because we tell everybody, hey, join a life group. No one, everyone blocks by the table. Or you sign up, then we call you. Why are you calling me? I made a stream for you to walk down. You missed it. What? You know? Or we give out announcements all week, right? We get the, we get the uh, email out. You call, hey, I don't know what's going on. I sent out 188 emails. <laughs> because it isn't things. It's people. And look, at, and that's why he called us sheep. So you got to don't take yourself so seriously. I don't. Because let me tell you something. Life's too short, guys. And I've been saying that for a long time. Because what I went through last summer, when eternity comes this close to you, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to be me and have fun. Got to. We lose the joy. That's what the old, uh, the seasoned veterans tell us every day. Guys, if we don't transfer joy back to the next generation, we're in big trouble. If you're angry, you're angry now. You're angry at God, not at the person. Shouldn't be angry. Because you don't control anything, really. You do what you can do and let God do what you can't do. And the last one is commit. Commit it. Roll it over. That means roll it over upon him. God, you know who my next mate is. I'm not trying to work this. (laughs) I just want to enjoy you. I want to trust in you. I want to dwell in your presence. I want delight. <laughs> I want to have fun again. Man. I don't want to make life so seriously. We're not supposed to. Remember, we're going to heaven. And God, I really commit all this to you. I commit the church to you. Jesus said, he says, so we miss it. He said, I'll build my church. And we think, yeah, he did say that. So why are you, why are you going crazy? I'm going to build my church. So all I want you to do is Relate to people. And I'm glad because my number one thing in, um, in um, the strength finders is relater. And my last two is positivity and belief. So you know what my kryptonite is, right? Negative people are my kryptonite. My superpowers is, let's do it, have fun, and let's do it, right? We can do this thing. And kryptonite is like, we can't do it. And my, I start getting, oh, I am dying slowly. And then we have a conference every year to pull us back in. Okay, you can win the world. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Positivity and belief. That's crazy. I think everything's going to work. I love my favorite movie, Angels in Outfield. It can happen. (laughs) Very biblical movie. You need to go home and watch that. 
Okay, I'm getting crazy. I'm just getting tired. When I looked at all that, it sounds great mechanically. There's a question that I had. Question of value. I wrote this down. Things that are cheap, you give away. Things that are valuable, you protect. I'm looking at our society today in relationships. And I'm seeing it played out one pixel at a time on TV. I looked at something the other day. I mean, it just blew my mind. My son was on TV, so I had to go ahead and I had to watch another show before it ended. It's called The Bachelor. See a young lady. Well, first of all, he's kissing I don't know how many girls. That's crazy. He, he, and they're cheap to kiss him. They think they're cheap. They're not actually cheap. She got turned down. She is there hyperventilating on the floor. It's not. That's someone's daughter. And we think in our relationships that we're so cheap that we just give it away to someone else if it's sex. Versus what's valued, you protect. The reason why we're so valuable because God protected us from wrath by sending his only begotten son. How much more do we protect our daughters and our sons? But we have to believe that you're valuable because you hear things. Well, you really wasn't planned. We don't want you to bring around. We didn't know you were coming. We're valuable. But we're seeing cheap all around us. Puts push pressure on the young people and the other folks trying to, okay, I want to get this back, and I'll just go ahead and fall for anything and everybody because that's the best I can get. And that is a lie. Especially when God is our Lord and Savior. Jesus, sorry. Now, we struggle with, some of you might have went over the line, struggle with what we call a biological virginity. But this is a spiritual virginity. Because we have a Savior that restores and renews. You might have messed up biologically, but if your Lord and Savior is Jesus Christ, you have been restored spiritually. And you're, if you stay celebrate, it's amazing. But you don't lower your standards to be happy. Because in a couple of years, you will not be happy. Because if they don't know how to value God, they definitely don't know how to value you. And that's who God wants you to be around. Tony, Dr. Tony Evans said this, your own sense of value will always be, always or often be measured by your morality. I'm looking at things that I'm like, are you kidding me? It's a guy with a room with 15 ladies and they want to be kissed. They are not trash. But they feel like trash. To put themselves on TV is trash. And some of our hearts need to break. And there's another human being lowering themselves as trash. And we and let's call it entertainment. It broke my heart. She's laying there. What? And she don't even know there's a Lord and say, who will love you properly and send the right one to you. You don't need to kiss them to find out anything. I got to keep going. I'm not going to get through this. <laughs> Psalm 139 13 through 16. It says this, you were formed in my inward parts. That's how valuable you are. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And I want you to say this together. Say, I'm an awesome wonder. Say, I am an awesome wonder. That's what that means. And that is not being prideful. That is talking the truth over yourself. You are awesome wonder. You're not trash. You're valuable. And you deserve the very best because we serve the very best God. I got to get through this thing. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed substance. And your book were written, every one of them, excuse me, the days that were formed for me, when I shed, there were none of them. I wrote this down. The life, the structure, and the meaning of your life. Are all established by God himself. Matthew 10 says something amazing. One of the sparrows in the Old Testament were the just least expensive birds. If you had a penny, you could get a, a sparrow. Tell how valuable you are. Jesus uses this as a metaphor about the, your value. Those who have been divorced, you're valuable. What happens is you feel you're not valuable. So you find a mate that you hope becomes your savior. When you have a loving savior who loves you, help you find a mate. Those who are single, when we don't do these steps, we do something opposite. The mate becomes the Messiah. So if they happen to walk out on you, your whole life crashes. You're my everything. Those songs we used to sing in Motown, you're my everything. Those songs were great. But biblically, they're off. Your God's everything. And when we talk about connecting to God and knowing how to relate to God, you get to relate to people. Jesus said this in 29, 31, verse 10. I mean, chapter 10. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, and not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all numbered. Yeah, that's why y'all laugh at me. Fear not, therefore you are more valuable than any, than many sparrows. The least animal on the planet in those days. He took ultimate care of them. How much more do he want to take ultimate care of you? Those who are in relationship, young men, young women, you better learn how to, how to love each other properly. And respect each other supremely. And if you don't know how to do it, you take your time until God gets it right. Because God, when you read that scripture, he's into the smallest details of our lives. There's nothing too great for God to do. There's nothing too small for him to care about. Nothing too great for him to do. Nothing too small to care about. And those who have kids, who have kids, 
You go home and you fathers, you instill value in your children. You tell them, yeah, they made a mistake, but God loves you, and by God, I love you. I was in Houston this week, last week, and there's, a, there's, a, there's an epidemic. I hear it from the young African-American young ladies. They're saying, where are all the men? I said, they're not here yet. They lost their fathers, so they don't know how to be men. And it's not just African-American, it's men in general. Because the enemy knows if I can get one man born again, 90%, his whole family's coming. 90%. So you think who's the most attack is on men to not take responsibility, to walk out. And those who are married, who are having struggles, go back to enjoying God so you can enjoy your mate. It's not about performance. It's about who you are. And when you know who you are, you'll know how to live. My last point, when we talk about connecting with God and connecting with people. We need to build relationships with others who are fervently seeking God today. So if you have someone in the same mindset that you have, because you know we, we actually... We produce after our own selves. So if you know people who are committing adultery, you hang out with them, guess what? As our parents would say, <laughs> bad environment is going to kill your morals. Get with someone who loves God as much as you do and hang out with them and build each other up. Because, men, you're going to be tempted. And you're, if you're thinking this, men, young men, you have a, a problem with pornography, you're thinking, I'll get married, I'll get better. No, it gets worse. Because she's not your savior. Jesus is. She's not your deliverer. Jesus is. He's not, she's not your Lord. He's not your Lord. Jesus is. Women, too. I saw the thing about gray. That was the movie, The Gray Thing, which is debasing everybody. I don't even know the name of it. Can care less. You can tell how much I'm, I'm in, I'm in um, the flow. 2 Timothy 2.22 is very important when we talk about Lego. So flee useful passions. See how you got to grow up. Everybody say, I got to grow up. And pursue righteousness, faith, wow, love and peace along with who? With your partners who call on the Lord from a pure heart. You never know, it didn't say anything about work it. You notice it didn't say work harder. So he'll love you more. So no, pursue that. When you're pursuing that, God will uh, pursue you and give you the perfect mate. If you're called to be married. I want to help you. Tough subject. But you're too valuable to let this go. You're by yourself. You're never by yourself. And that nobody... No person, don't give anybody control of your life. If they walked out on you, you have to be like me. They're lost. Or if things happen, you rebuild, but you rebuild on Christ, not in the next person. Can I have all our leaders get up? Come on up and end in prayer. One thing my mom taught me or did for me, My sister filled me in on all the things 
couple years ago when she came. Since I was a foster child, my mom always wanted me to feel special. So she spoiled me because I was the only boy. Seven sisters, only boy. So what she would do, and I liked it, she would go ahead and they would get down, down, downstairs, and that's when we had cold cereal with milk that you got delivered to you. I know you don't know what I'm talking about. And she would make everyone stand up. And she said, Richard's coming downstairs. He'll pick the cereal. So I would come down, and my sister said, I like, no, I like Cheerios, because oatmeal, because I always like oatmeal. Yeah, oatmeal, again, he wants oatmeal, so you give him oatmeal. And I told that story because I see God, when you walk into the room, they stand up, the angels stand up, all eternity stands up and says, you're so special, what do you need? What do you want to do to treat you special? You don't have to hear it from someone else. You can only hear from God how awesome and valuable you are. And you have to learn how to tell other people how awesome and valuable they are. Why don't we all stand? Let's pray. And if you need prayer today, don't let pride get in the way of your prayer. You need prayer and agreement. Because some of you are sitting out there, I'm not worthy. I'm not worth anything. I feel like I'm a loser. That's a lie. You need to come get prayed out of you. I know some of you, you're not going to walk because I already see your faces. That's why it's here. If you didn't get anything else today, what's valuable we protect. And you're not trash that you throw away. Don't throw away your marriages. Don't throw away your relationships. Value them and protect them. Because at the end of our lives, guys, that's all we got. And Father, I just come to you right now. I thank you this morning.